more from uh, Ndebo Mukobo. Like his predecessor Thabo Mbeki, the ANC National Executive Committee has finally resolved to recall President Jacob Zuma as head of state. Party Secretary General Esma Khashule says the reason behind their decision is the uncertainty and anxiety that have engulfed the country over the past few days. In this wisdom, the NEC decided to recall uh, its deployee, Comrade Jacob Zuma, in accordance with Rule 12.2.21.2 of the ANC Constitution, which accords the NEC the authority to recall its deployees. We agreed also that there should be continuing interaction between officials of the ANC and President Jacob Zuma. The National Executive Committee members will go throughout the country to brief and inform our structures about the decisions we have taken. And all necessary parliamentary processes that arise from this decision will also now ensue. Because from tomorrow we will brief our parliamentary caucus about the decisions we have taken. Mahashule says the president wanted to prolong his stay in office, citing his continuing responsibilities in key international institutions like the SADC and the BRICS. As I've said earlier on, in our earlier discussions between ourselves, President Jacob Zuma and President Ramaphosa, there was an understanding that indeed it will be good for President Jacob Zuma to introduce Comrade Ramaphosa to BRICS leadership as well as SADC. But remember, as officials, we are not a structured deciding. That's why we had to go and engage the National Executive Committee. Earlier on, we were happy with that timeline. But the National Executive Committee, because it's the highest decision-making body, had a different view. But the ANC has no plan of action should President Zuma refuse to step down. We have already acted, and we are not treating Jacob Zuma as a leader who is defiant and all that. I think we are engaging one of our leaders who have contributed to the liberation of South Africans. So we'll treat him with such, with dignity. Uh, there is no need for us to, as we have said, humiliate him. So we are expecting the president to respond tomorrow. There is no deadline. Tomorrow the president will respond. He will call you as the media. While the scheduled EFF-sponsored motion of no confidence in President Zuma is a legal alternative open to the ANC to make Zuma comply, the ANC Secretary General says it is not an option for the party. As the party, a revolutionary party, I don't know whether we'll support the motion of no confidence. We are a party, and any party which is governing, there is no way the opposition will support it. The role of the opposition is to oppose what the party is actually, the ruling party or governing party is doing. So we are not expecting, in a normal situation, you don't expect, you you can't be a party member and you vote with your conscience. That doesn't actually exist. For now, all eyes are on President Jacob Zuma to respond to his party's decision. If he goes, the ANC says its current president, Cyril Ramaphosa, will be the next in line and will deliver the state of the nation address at a day still to be decided. I am Debo Mokobo in Johannesburg. And uh, we continue this conversation now with uh, the ANC's uh, veteran leader, Sydney Mafamadi. A very good evening to you, and thank you very much for speaking to speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to us, Mr. Mafamadi. Perhaps let me first start with um, what appears to be growing impatience with the lack of finality on this decision. I know people drew breath and some audibly disappointed with the ANC press briefing earlier on saying that 
We have told President Jacob Zuma that he is being recalled, but we still are engaging him and will continue to engage him. But we were hoping to, or we expect to hear from him tomorrow. Is it unfair? Well, you know, I think the the first point to make is that Jacob Zuma had become an albatross around the neck, collective neck of all South Africans. You will recall that uh, 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 from about 2016 uh, to late 2017, there was a, a wave of protest against his continued incumbency. Now, the ANC was divided as to how to respond to these popular calls for his removal. Uh, Finally, indeed, the ANC has come to the view that he must go. I really think that uh, whilst I understand the impatience of our people, we have now come to the right point, namely that uh, there is a decision that he must go, and I see the ANC is briefing its parliamentary caucus tomorrow, which must tell you that they have actually started the processes of giving effect to their decision of removing him. And what shape would that take? Because there's a question of whether or not they'll ride the bandwagon with the opposition. We know that the EFF has called for an urgent motion of no confidence and we also know that the legal frameworks for the impeachment of the president are not yet ready. So um, for them, are they confident that the ANC as a party alone, uh, even though they hold majority, that they'll be able to push through this without any uh, hitches? And well, the hitches I'm talking about here is that should President Jacob Zuma decide to uh, ring in supporters from within the party to disrupt uh, any motion of no confidence in him? Well, he doesn't have any chance in hell to achieve the numbers uh, that might disrupt the decision of the ANC in this regard. But I also hope that he is sensible enough to know that uh, uh, this matter is no longer in his hands. Of course, it is in the hands of the ANC to the extent that he has refused to leave voluntarily. Now, it is neither here nor there as to which party in parliament has moved a motion. Uh, The ANC can't say that it can't support a motion moved by the opposition. The issue is one of principle. The principle is that Parliament is entertaining a motion, and the ANC is part of that Parliament. It must vote uh, in accordance with the mandate it has, namely that it must get Zuma out of hmm. uh, 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 out of office. I'd like to broaden this discussion, Mr. Mufamad, but before I do so, I think there needs to be an establishing point made. As a former cabinet member in the Mbegi um, administration, but also as an ANC member who is also part of uh, this transition that we're seeing now, um, are comparisons applicable as in the reasons advanced and uh, 
and while not being entirely sure if all of the reasons advanced to President Jacobs have been put before the public domain, are those comparisons legitimate? Are you saying what is, what is it that you want to know? Are, are, are comparisons between what happened with the recall of President Mbegi and this recall now? There are, there are absolutely no comparisons because up to now, nobody can point to anything that uh, uh, President Abumbeki had done which amounted either to a dereliction of duty or uh, dishonoring his oath of office. Um, um, but I think uh, what, what was the difference, therefore, between uh, the two personalities is that uh, President Mbeki was uh, decent enough to accept that the party which nominated him did not want him to continue in office, at least the leadership of the party. So he stepped aside. Mm. That is the difference. Okay. But I'm saying in, in this case, there was a manifest violation of the oath of office by uh, President Zuma. Now, while not preempting the set of events that are to unfold over the next couple of days or weeks, there has been some alluding to what some have said is the cancerous nature of President Jacob Zuma on not only the party, but the the shadow that he's cast over South Africa. And would he then fall in line with the likes of uh, Gambia's Yaya Jame? Would he uh, be compared to a Mobutu Sisoseko? Would he uh, then have comparisons drawn with Liberia's Charles Taylor? We're talking about Burkina Faso's Blake's Compaore. Well, the jury is out as to uh, how um, he is going to be uh, remembered. In other words, what legacy has he written? Uh, You know that uh, uh, we are still awaiting uh, to hear as to when is he going to face uh, the charges, the allegations that are being put to him, both the historical ones and the contemporary ones. So as you say, it will be wrong to prejudge the issue, but the fact of the matter is that he faces serious allegations, and should those allegations be proved, then indeed uh, he will not occupy a place of honor in the history of this country. Mm. While some of these are guilty of crimes against humanity, including war crimes, torture, sex crimes, etc., but there have been human rights abuses uh, which have also been linked to corruption. But more importantly and more poignantly is that why do African leaders find themselves in a position where citizens feel that so much damage has been done to not only the resources of a country, but the credibility of the democracy of a country. But, but sure, sure, surely, um, uh, so we shouldn't say why African leaders. I mean, that will be too, uh, too much of a generalization. Some African leaders, but this is not a peculiarity of Africa. You've seen cases in Asia. You've seen cases in Latin America, you have seen cases in Europe uh, uh, where leaders faced allegations uh, as serious as the ones that some leaders in Africa have faced. So I think that uh, 
all these things speak to uh, a leadership a challenge uh, that uh, uh, countries in the world do face at one point or another. Mm. But I think uh, we, we should... Uh, Avoid, uh, I appreciate that. The reason I do do that, though, Mr. Mafabadi, is that there often are comparisons in cases such as these when we talk about books like Animal Farms. If we look at Chinua Achebe's literature, no longer at ease, things fall no, no, apart, no, no, etc. Sure, sure, and and that's why I want, mm, I want us the to... Compar- the comparators are not limited to Africa. That's really the point I'm making, mm. so that we should not stereotype ourselves. I appreciate that. And and yeah. this is what that's what I'm trying to draw out of the conversation that there is that temptation to paint Africa with that brush to, brush to say this is typical of corrupt African leadership that overstays um uh, its welcome etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So I want us to then take the conversation forward in terms of if we're going to talk about leadership and democratization in Africa how do we then frame such conversations? No, no, but the point I'm making is that, you know, there are problems of different types that uh, uh, we face in the world today. I mean, if you look at uh, the the Twitter-happy uh, uh, <laughs> president of the United States, mm. uh, the problems that faced the people of the United Kingdom before and after the Brexit vote, you can see that what we are facing um, today is the fact is a problem, namely that uh, good leaders are in dangerous, dangerously short supply um, in the world today, and perhaps these are issues which, uh, uh, in almost every jurisdiction around the world, uh, you need popular discussions as to what do we do about this problem. Do citizens get the leaders they deserve? As in, what amount of responsibility should citizens of these countries take for being in such situations? Well, primarily the responsibility must be taken by citizens. But it is equally true that uh, uh, we need also to ensure that uh, uh, political parties uh, or leaders of political parties must be held accountable by members of political parties themselves. I mean, uh, in the case of South Africa, uh, the ANC had absolutely no business in 2007 to give the people of South Africa a Jacob Zuma whose uh, leadership merits were, were dubious from the beginning. Thank you very much for your time and insights. ANC veteran Sydney Mofamadi.